welcome to Slam Your Ex Poetry Hour. My name is Addie DeVelvis. I have too many feelings and I write a lot of poetry about them. The uh, main inspiration for this weird little endeavor is um, pretty much all of the poetry and rambling ideas that I write on dirty coffee napkins and receipt paper and crap that I find at the bottom of my purse and then usually throw away, which seems sort of like a waste of creative energy. So, I figured that I would take the poetry that I'm embarrassed of and the breakups nobody talks about and the maudlin, spiraling, depressing crap that we all think and don't say and shout it into the void. That being said, we spend a lot of time shouting into the void and so I think we should like read some poetry into it instead because it's had a hard day too. So, welcome to Slam Your Ex Poetry Hour. I promise you no dignity. And if you come at me with dignity, we won't get along very well. So our first portion is called a haiku or two. The Webster definition of haiku, I don't know if you can actually hear me clonking on my keys right now, but I am definitely Googling (laughs) the definition of a haiku. But Google says that a haiku is a Japanese poem of 17 syllables and three lines of 5, 7, and 5, traditionally evoking images of the natural world. The more simple bullet point is a poem in English written in the form of a haiku, which is really more where we're going because none of us are Japanese Zen masters of the real art of haikus. It is a true, amazing art form that I am not claiming to get at. I'm writing shitty, passive-aggressive haikus about my ex-boyfriends, and I think they're hilarious, so that's what this really is. Um, I'm also bugging everyone online to send me their haikus about kind of whatever they want because I found it's a really good way to get started in poetry. It's short. Love that. It doesn't have to rhyme. It also both sets up a really good kind of emotional punch if you want, but it also works really well for a punchline. The first portion of the haiku or two section today is really just a mini-series called Haikus About My Exes. One, you were hotter then. Somehow your hair has turned clear. Stop being happy. Two, you're not a good dude, but your dick is so pretty, so I can't be blamed. Three, we fucked on the couch and on the counters and bed. I am not that straight. Four. This can't be funny. I don't want to say me too. Surprise. You made me. Five. We got kinky, man. My name bled out of your chest. You were so lucky. Six. You're smart, cute, and kind and I hate myself to think it, you got a flat ass. Seven. You are just crazy. Ate me out and held me up. You made me crazy. Eight. My little star girl. You needed me in orbit, you just had to pull. Nine. Such a Gemini. One of you I loved so much, but the cold one won. 10. 
Your eyes are unreal. Cut me to my secret parts. I won't be alone. Eleven. You let me speak up. Treat my mind like it's a song. I am heard and seen. Twelve. The smell of honey. You are a hurricane, and I'm helpless now. Thirteen. Plastic on water. Even garbage can look good. So that explains it. Fourteen. You were so cute and French. But you couldn't get it up. I was a dick, though. Fifteen. I want it back. I want it back. I want it back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fuck. And that was a haiku, or like 20. This portion is when I get really nosy and shove my head in people's business when they definitely didn't ask for my opinion specifically. But if you put it on Reddit, I feel like you're fair game for the internet and I am part of the collective internet, I guess. That's my defense. I'm sticking with that one. So let's edit Reddit. What that means is that I'm going to just pick a couple of posts on Reddit relationships and um, shove my opinion down somebody's throat. Right? No. Um, no, I just, I think that it's a really cool uh, discussion topic to move off of, and a lot of us have really similar relationship problems anyway. The first one is a doozy. Should I, 17-year-old girl, ask my parents to let me have sex with my boyfriend, 18-year-old boy, at home? I mean, yikes, first. <laughs> I'm just flashing back to every interaction I have with my parents about anything to do with sex from the ages of 10 on, and uh, my skin is crawling, but um, I envy you for being able to even frame this as a possibility for you. What a wonderful life you have, 17-year-old girl, that you could even conceive of this idea. That being said, let's actually read this. Her first concern is, would that be rude? Technically, yeah, because oversharing is rude, but also, I mean... It depends on your delivery. But then she starts, as most teenage girls do, to make a lot of sense. She talks about how she's freaked out by her friends having sex in the backs of cars and in bathrooms and the woods. And thinking back, yeah, when people decided to have sex in high school, they really didn't consult their parents and they did a lot of dumb shit. And when I say they, I mean me. And reading through this Reddit post, it actually gets refreshing. So what makes this post interesting to me is that she also talks about how her parents have approached talking with sex with her before. Her mother gave her permission to have quote-unquote private time in her bedroom with the boyfriend and also has talked to her about contraceptives. Her dad doesn't seem to be quite as present in these conversations, which doesn't surprise me. Um, and I feel like the real question here is, where is that line? Um, I'm meddling in things that don't involve me. And I made a lot of moronic mistakes when I was a teenager, but the big difference is that I didn't get to talk to my parents about them before or after I made them. Which maybe is the only difference that matters in this situation. Yeah, I don't think anything that bad could really come of just honestly talking to your parents. If your parents have already broached the topic of sex with you, they trust you enough to come to them with your own opinions on it. 
And I feel like if I was a parent, the main goal of doing something as nerve-wracking as talking to my kids about sex would be to make them feel comfortable to come to me. So, um, fingers crossed, honey. I'd be shocked if they outright said, yeah, go to town. But, weirdly enough, I think a compromise could be made here. Oh, good. Oh, man. So the details of this topic got deleted by someone who maybe felt uncomfortable? I'm not quite sure. Um, but the long and short of it is really what matters here. The title is, I don't always want to have sex with my girlfriend. And the poster is older than most people who usually worry about this. He's 28. And this is a straight relationship, and he's worrying about um, his sex life with his girlfriend. And um, I hate seeing stuff like this because I don't understand why a romantic relationship automatically means you are required to have sex with somebody. That's icky and weird. Sex is supposed to be fun, authentic, spontaneous, and like a stress reliever. It's supposed to be good for you. Isn't it? Don't you have, don't you like die less if you have a lot of sex or something? Um, I think you die if you don't have no sex, something like that. I mean, you're certainly not going to be happy, but also, <laughs> wait, that was the opposite of my point. I would die if I didn't have enough sex because I need a stress reliever that's easy to approach. I hope my parents don't listen to this. Back to the actual topic. You're not required to have sex with somebody because you're dating them. And there's not like a required amount of sex that you have to have. And I've also personally experienced relationships where they started out very sexually mutual in that we could not control ourselves. And then I calmed down because I'm an adult. And like, if you eat ice cream every day, you get tired of ice cream. My tummy hurts. I'm sore. I have to leave me alone. Stop touching me. And so it started off crazy and then it petered out a little bit and then he became the constant instigator and then I noticed that when our relationship really started to go south I would make up for arguments by initiating sex because it was a gift which is not a good way to look at sex either when it's expected or manipulated or controlled in some way it's just not genuine and it's just not fun and when you really look at it like look at the entirety of our society, people are obsessed with sex. Everyone wants to have sex. If you want to just have sex, you can have it. If you want to have a relationship with someone and make love to them and get to know them as a person, I think that's a different commitment. You're never required to have sex with someone that you're dating, and I think that sexual pressure is a form of emotional abuse. Don't do that shit. And I have fallen into a really big rabbit hole of, like, toxic masculinity and men think they have to be providers and, like, they have to sexually drive. And, like, if a man has a lower libido than a woman, oh, my God, who could allow such a thing? But that could be, like, four different podcasts. At the core of it, no matter what dynamic your relationship is, sex should always be 100% consensual, talked about frequently, and enjoyable. And if it's not enjoyable, it should stop immediately. Great. All right, this one gets me hyped. So, I, a 23-year-old woman, am wondering, I, a 23-year-old woman, am wondering about my boyfriend, a 22-year-old man's friends, and who he's surrounding himself with. And I was going to give this benefit of the doubt, and then I read the too long, didn't read at the top. She continues with the obligatory background of, I love my boyfriend, and he's sweet and caring, and he's a long-term partner. He's a nice guy. And then here's her actual issue, which of her issue arises when one of his friends, who said something that's only now starting to bother her, question marks there, apparently, before she and her boyfriend had completely committed, but in the talking stage, her boyfriend sent his friend a picture. His friend's response, if it doesn't work out with you, send her over to me. I've always wanted to fuck an Asian. 
incredible. I don't miss being in college. And she says that, like, he told us a while ago and she let it slide, but she's noticing more racism from his friend. And then adds in, like, the little parentheses tidbit that there's a Confederate pride sticker in his garage and all this crap. And really, the fact that her boyfriend insists that he is a quote-unquote good guy circles back to how I made fun of him for being a nice guy. Because that's the bare fucking minimum. I'm glad that this guy... Okay, let's be clear. I'm glad that this guy's white friend can be nice to his white friend. Like, that's cool. They're all dudes and they'll be nice to each other. You don't get to say someone's good if they're only good to you. That just means that they're polite or friendly or likable. A good person makes choices to be good. Especially, you know, choices that are harder, like telling your friends when they're being racist. That's what a good person does. A good person does something that takes more effort than just smiling. Good and nice are not the same thing. And your boyfriend is not a good person. He's a nice person. He's sweet and he's charming, and I'm guessing he's good in bed from the amount of shit you have put up with, but he's not a good person because he's okay with being friends with racists, and he lets people that he quote-unquote loves talk shit about his girlfriend. Dump. Move along. Next. Oh yeah, that's the end of Edit Reddit, because if I kept yelling at you guys, you wouldn't like me anymore. So, now that I am done yelling at people on Reddit, we're going to go into something really relaxing. The next portion is called Angst and Sex. Um, this is where we get into some of the more raw stuff. Get it? Do you get it? So we're getting into the raw shit. Ha 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 ha. The structure doesn't really matter to me as much here as feeling. We don't really often want to admit when we are feeling our most vulnerable or even more importantly, irrational. Because I feel irrational 80% of the day. I never want to talk to anybody about it, which is terrible because the best way to beat being irrational is for someone else to talk you through it. So this next portion is angst and sex. Let's jump into it. First submission is actually an anonymous Curious Cat submission. Um, I've got my Curious Cat link on my Twitter, Slam Your Ex. And pretty much what it is is an anonymous question sending service. It's very old school MySpace. I love it. People have submitted poetry to it for me. They've given me writing prompts, um, invasive questions, which are fun and I'll get into later. And I... uh, Deeply appreciate everyone who submits and beg you to because everything you guys don't submit, I have to write. Why did it happen? Could I have done something? Could I have been something for you that you didn't have? Our next piece is also actually a Curious Cat submission. Love these, you guys are great. (laughs) Why did you leave me? I gave you everything. You suck. Fuck you suck. Alright, so this piece is longer, and it's called Reasons I Didn't Give. You said that you had no idea this was coming. I said nothing. But you should have known when I stopped saying it's okay to your sorries and only said I know. You have no idea how heavy your arm was on my neck, and you never seemed to care whether or not I could breathe. I 
cannot believe it was carelessness because of the reverence with which you smelled my hair. But it was only shampoo, and I never wanted you to smell me in the first place. You said that I was the only thing that made you happy. I smiled, but I never wanted to be responsible for the happiness of someone already so fragile. You promised to take me to the museum for a day, and I somehow instead followed you under fluorescence that care for me more than you did. And I made your excuses, and you spent all your money on games. You said I was the most beautiful thing in the world. You're right, but I'm too beautiful to be wasted as a crutch for someone who should know better. I hope you never read this, because I still feel beholden to your ego, and I hope that you read this because I believe you deserve the truth that I am still kind to give to you. That I am too beautiful and too wild to waste any more time on your couch. Next piece is another anonymous submission called Letters for Liars. I love you. That's what you'd say to me and the other 16, by the way. It took me eight months to see through your display you taught me my body was nothing. Your charity, your little nights out, they consisted of you going and fucking about until I discovered, beyond reasonable doubt, you'd taken advantage of me. So I hid it, I swallowed it down while you spread your bullshit all over town. I know you just wanted to watch me drown, and I did it. So now are you happy? And for you, I guess it's a pretty good deal. Because in your eyes, literally none of it was real. But what about the way that you made me feel? So let's reap what you sowed, motherfucker. You fucked her. You fucked her. You fucked her and her too. And that's fine because now I know better. Fuck you. <laughs> so satisfying. So fun. Oh, we have another anonymous submission. This, you guys were really anonymous with your angst and sex submissions. Love that. Also, big mood. This one is called X Almost, and it's an acrostic. For those of you who don't know, an acrostic is a poem that visually, vertically spells a word, and the poetry is based off of each letter of it. Eyed girls wonder. Xenial cravings heat. Amiable drunks notice. Little jealousies ignite. Modern valentines collide. Ongoing efforts smolder. Selfish pursuits arise. Temporary sweethearts burn out. So thank you all for joining in with Angst and Sex. Hey guys, welcome back. We are going to jump in again with some invasive questions. These are questions that you guys have asked me on Curious Cat, or emailed me, or asked me in person, that I might have written down, that are a little invasive, but I don't care because I'm here to overshare. First question today is, what's the most important thing you've learned in a relationship? In short, you're not being mean, you're probably right. Um, I have a really bad habit when I'm dating someone of, for some reason, assuming that I'm mean and judgmental and terrible and all these things. And so when a partner of mine would do something that I wasn't comfortable with or that I found myself realizing didn't bode well for their character, instead of actually letting their actions speak for themselves, I would tell myself that I was being mean. Because it's mean to have honest criticisms of people, apparently. If something my partner is doing is bothering me, it means 
they're doing something that bothers me. Now, I feel comfortable talking to my partners and being like, hey, this bugged me. And then usually they're like, yeah, you're right. I was irritated because of this. And I realized that together we had both gotten upset at little things and instead of addressing them, fixed each other. But really where this lesson makes the most difference is when you start to wonder if your boyfriend or girlfriend is not that good of a person. Your morals don't match up. That's kind of an insurmountable obstacle, in my opinion. And I'm pulling these from instances where, when I first started dating a guy, he offhandedly called a girl a bitch. I brushed it off and told myself I was taking it too seriously. I really wasn't, because later he felt comfortable calling me a bitch. I wasn't being mean, I was right. My gut was telling me something, that if he's comfortable telling other women they're a bitch, what makes me any different? I'm really not being mean when I worry about these things. I'm aware. <laughs> and I'm probably right. So trust your gut and talk about it. Because that's the best way to really see where someone stands. Invasive question number two. What kind of things do you look for in a human relationship? I really like this one because it implies that I have non-human relationships. In a relationship itself and not in the person. Trust. Comfort. A strong foundation, usually, of communication. The way this question is actually worded is interesting because it asks for what I'm looking for in a relationship instead of a person, and I prefer that because, frankly, I can fall in love with 12 different people for 12 different reasons. It's so easy to see the best in someone when you're attracted to them, or when you feel like it, <laughs> or when you first start dating, or maybe you just, like me, are good at liking people. And looking for a certain type of person is just like chasing an ideal in your head to me. I don't think that'll ever work. But setting goals in your relationship is a very good and important thing. So what I'm really looking for in a relationship is honesty, room to grow, enough similarities that you understand each other, and enough differences that you push each other. Romantic relationships can be exhausting. They take a lot of time and effort and they're important and you have to make sure that you hold your partner as someone that matters to you. So just look for ones that make you feel at home. So those were a couple of invasive questions. I actually saved one of the other questions for next week because it was uh, really personal and I'm only so brave. But for a little teaser, it was asking about the emotional roller coaster I went through when I was cheated on, which is such an interesting question because which time? And I promise to go into that. Um, I just want to give it time to marinate like a fine steak. If you have your own question you would like to ask me that you feel is invasive or you know what we can put a twist on it if you have a question you would like me to give you advice on not that I stand by it being good it's just passionate check me out on twitter at slam your ex that's u-r-e-x sounds like an a-i-m name doesn't it Hit me up on Twitter, check out our Curious Cat of the same handle. We also have an email account, slamyourex at gmail.com. I have um, nothing but love for submissions, and I would love to hear what you guys think and use them in new and creative ways. This portion is called Man vs. Self, and these are poems that are a little more introspective, that deal with you and how you process relationships. I was saying earlier that we kind of neglect ourselves in relationships. 
it's never a bad thing to look at yourself and how you relate to others and how a relationship makes you feel and how you handle things for better or worse. And that's what this portion is about. So our first poem is called 3AM. It is 3AM and you are writing a love letter to yourself because someone somewhere said it will help and keep you from disappearing. It is 3AM and for a split second you can see how bright your eyes are until you see the red around them where you tried to rub out your sight. It is 3 a.m. and you stand naked in front of a mirror, calculating, turning your body into a catalog, rating the parts from 1 to 10. It is 3 a.m. and you are overwhelming yourself in imperfections, picking plastic glitter pieces that you deem good enough to stay alive for. It is 3 a.m. and you are missing the point. You grew up playing with dolls who weren't just pretty, they were fluid. They could swap out a torso when you wanted. You learned to upgrade and abandon and to celebrate the new because your mother's jewelry was too old and special for you. You try to see yourself in the mirror of your childhood, but between your mother's love and affirmations that you are beautiful are memories of afternoons with plastic women with flat bellies and tiny arched feet and the way your father's nose wrinkled when you came inside and he told you that you smelled like dirt. You'd never known that was bad. Your mother said, find beauty in nature, and your father pushed silence, and you dove into words about women who were beautiful. And now you're not allowed to play or hide in silence, and in the three separate beauties you've learned, now there's just mud, and somehow you've given up on trying, and it's still 3 a.m., but you're not counting, just staring, wondering at the thickness of your ankles that stretch like ugly saplings into mismatched socks. They are the ugliest things you've ever seen. This next piece is called Hungry. I'm sitting here hungry, starved by my own design. I'm sitting here hungry, pretending to be fine. I am sitting here hungry, wondering. If I sit here long enough, stay still long enough, could I eat myself away? Could I become my hunger, that numb and empty rawness? Could I eat myself away? I have tired out my body. I let my thoughts sink like poison into my perfectly healthy bones. I have tired out my body, kneeling thoughtless and broken, wishing I had pain without justify within. I've tired out my body. I ate myself away. What do you do when you're always hungry? What do you do when there's nothing left to feed you? Don't ask me, stranger. For I am sitting here, hungry. This piece is called Syzygy. Syzygy. You are alignment. You are driven and awake and alive. Sometimes your voice rings so loudly that I almost wish for silence. But this is Syzygy the celestial alignment, the blazing, burning salvation I am too afraid to ask for. You are pulling me, screaming, towards life. I doubt that I will tell you how I watch your light each time it fills my space, how I am using you as gravity. You are a beautiful and important thing. I can do no more than watch. This piece is called Slipping. Does anyone else ever get the feeling that they are spinning sideways? 
When you lie down and breathe deep, do you believe for as long as you hold still that if you try enough or don't try enough or somehow figure out the magic under your skin, you can float away? Does anyone else ever feel the almost floating? The chance to get away? Does anyone else fail to take it each and every time? If I could believe that I could fly, could I make it? I like that one. Kind of yearning, kind of cynical, and oh, that's why I like it. Yearning and cynical, you want to sum me up in two words? This next piece is a really fun one. It's called Bloodthirsty. I was thinking today, as I watched another movie that looked like the rest, that I have been miscast. Women, we are compassionate and fair and giving, right? We will see the promise in your young hero and nurture it. Because it is in our nature to sacrifice for the greater good. Fuck this. I am not here to progress you. I am here to watch you fail and walk over your body. I was born and expected to be subpar, and I have dashed those expectations. Your heroes, your dashing young men, they deserve failure. They deserve to learn what proving yourself means, and I will not help them. They will earn my respect when they can do what I do. I am everything. I am more beautiful than your broad shoulders, more intimidating than your hoarse shout. I am born in battle. I'm thrice the creation you are because I have to be. A desperation to prove myself was ingrained with a need to beat you. You don't know what it is to be desperate. So I will make you learn. Who needs coffee when angry feminist poetry exists? All right, we have one more piece left in this portion and it is called Empty Space. I am forcing my fingers to thud onto keys with 10 ton weights on every knuckle. Hyperbole makes sense to me this evening, with the sky blank and colorless and crouching and greedy, too infinite for me. Playing pretend that typing equals therapy Empty space fills as easy as confession. And the last thing that I want to do with you guys today is I'm going to find a random writing prompt. Let's see, I'm Googling writing prompts. I love 2019. All right, first thing, 250 writing prompts to inspire you. That's a lot. I could use a lot. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to walk you guys through how I would write a haiku. Let's see. I'm going to say for poetry. Writing prompts for poetry. 101. That's I just want to like 101 poetry prompts and ideas for writing poems. And I'm just going to do like a Russian roulette thing and like scroll and just randomly stop it and use a prompt and see what comes up. Ready? No, it didn't work. That didn't work either. Oh, God, that one's about sports. No, I'm not doing that one. Okay, this one's interesting. Also, I love poetry prompts. They're so silly sometimes. This literally just says cold water. That's my prompt. Cold water. I need to write three lines about it. Five, seven, five. I think about cold water, it's honestly, it's not a bad thing. It's isolating and refreshing. What does that feel like? Cold water. Dumping you. Dumping you was right. 
I feel so much bigger now. Dumping you was right. I feel so much bigger now. Dumping you was right. I feel so much bigger now. Like a cool, clear stream. Sure. Look. Hell yeah. We wrote a haiku. Thank you all for joining on this only moderately chaotic first episode and for submitting and for coming back and listening to the next couple episodes. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Again, hit me up on Twitter at SlamYourX. That's U-R-E-X. I guess S-L-A-M-U-R-E-X in case you weren't sure how to spell slam. Our curious cat of the same handle and our email account at SlamYourX at gmail.com. I'm going to have to record bits later saying when the next episodes will be up because I don't know. Thank you guys so much for joining. Write some poetry about your feelings before you repress them and then send it to me. Have a good week, guys.